prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Gary Oldman on a career of iconic roles and his new series, Slow Horses. Hey guys, Josh Horowitz here. Another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused coming right at you with a, a true living legend, someone that has been on the bucket list for a long while. Yes, it's Gary Oldman time on the podcast this week. Uh, what an honor, what a pleasure. This man has contributed as much to my cinematic upbringing and love as any human alive, certainly in the actor sphere. Um, as I said, iconic role after iconic role. His work, um, the ones that stand out to me are, are probably the ones that stand out to you guys too if you're of the same age, but um, from Sid and Nancy to Bram Stoker's Dracula, True Romance, The Professional, The Fifth Element, I mean, on and on and on, and it just keeps going all the way in and up to including Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, his Oscar-winning work in The Darkest Hour, um, and now his work in this great new series, Slow Horses, which follows a little bit in the train of Tinker Tailor, uh, in that it is a spy show of, of sorts, much different kind of a character. Uh, this time around, but a character that I know Gary really loves, Jackson Lamb, at the center of this series based on a series of books. Uh, the show is on Apple TV+. Plus. You should definitely check it out. As always, Gary is fantastic in it. It has a great ensemble around him from Jack Loudon to Chris and Scott Thomas. Um, and the good news is they've already shot more. The second batch of episodes comes out later this year. I think it's been greenlit for two more seasons. So you might as well get in on the Gary Oldman slow horses train right now, guys. Okay, more on Gary in a second. But first, I do want to mention some upcoming events before I go any further. Upcoming events. Okay. Uh, two live Happy Sad Confused events in New York. If you're hearing this before the evening of June 8th, there is still time to come on out and see me and Jeff Goldblum. I mean, how lucky am I right now? Another legend. I mean, Jeff Goldblum, guys. So if you're in New York City um, and you're hearing this in time, come on out tonight, guys. Or, or tomorrow, whenever you're hearing this, when, um, June 8th, Wednesday, June 8th, 7.30 p.m. Uh, it's in conjunction with the 92nd Street Y, but it's actually the physical address is at the Spence School. If you buy the tickets, um, they'll give you all the info, needless to say. Um, but it's going to be an hour-long live Happy Sad Confused podcast with kind of the most entertaining man on the planet. Let's be let's be frank. It's Jeff Goldblum. You never know what's going to come, come out of his mouth, except that it's going to be fantastically entertaining. So uh, come and join us. There's also a online option. It won't be live. You'll be able to see it the day after online, but you can buy tickets to that as well. So uh, links in the, in the uh, show notes as always. Another new event coming up. This has just been announced a couple days ago. You might not know about it yet. Evan Rachel Wood, June 22nd, again, in conjunction with 92nd Street Y. Very excited about this. Um, Evan is fantastic. She's so talented. She can sing. She can act. She's just the best. And she's starring in the new season of Westworld. And she's back. I know that might be confusing. Wait, she's back? Didn't she? Uh, uh, yeah, she's back. Um, so we'll get into Westworld, but we'll get into everything from 13 across the universe, all of it, Frozen 2, whatever you guys want to talk about, um, I will bring up, let me know. But um, those tickets are on sale too. Again, the info's in the show, uh, show notes. June 22nd, I believe again, it's at 7.30 p.m., I believe, again, there is a live option that you can watch digitally if you can't be there in person. But uh, I'd love to see you guys there if you're in New York. 
uh, come and support Happy Second Fused, Evan Rachel Wood, 92nd Street Y, all, all good things. Um, okay, before we get to Gary, one more big topic I want to mention. I am I literally just walked in the door back into my New York City apartment after a few days in Los Angeles for the MTV Movie and TV Awards. Oh, my annual pilgrimage to LA for the insanity that only MTV can do around an awards show. I've been doing these for so many years. I realize how lucky I am to still be, you know, the 97-year-old man I'm doing uh, th- that I am that they're still employing me to do this. But um, it was a privilege and a, fun, a really fun time as always. So uh, my responsibilities this year, as it often is, was I was the host for the red carpet uh, pre-show. Um, and so basically that's like a bunch of like, um, what we call hits in the industry, like 30 second or 60 second interviews that run on the channel in the, in the couple hours before the show. And then during the show, I ran backstage, didn't run by then my feet were tired. I, I walked comfortably backstage and talked to pretty much most of the winners, um, some of the presenters, um, and had a great time. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to even still digest like what happened. It was a lot, but Great to see, great to, a great mix of kind of people that I I have talked to a lot over the years. Whether it's let's see, like a like a Jack Black, uh, who I've known forever, and to see him get comedic genius, and then to get to chat with him and have a really fun time talking to him uh, after the fact. Um, who who else did I even talk to? Oh, well, my recent friends. I mean, I've known Glenn Powell for a bit, but Jay Ellis as well, the two Top Gun Maverick stars. Uh, got a chance to catch up with them. They are riding high, as you can imagine, because Top Gun Maverick is the biggest thing on the planet, as it should be. Um, and then, like, a ton of people that I hadn't met that that dominated the show. Sydney Sweeney, uh, the young star of Euphoria. Euphoria won four uh, uh, awards in the night, so that was cool to meet her, and she was obviously in a great mood. She's got a lot of cool stuff coming up, too. Um, got a chance to finally meet Sofia DiMartino. Loki fans out there. Come on, guys. You know where you love her. Sylvie herself. Um, Loki, I think, took home two awards. Uh, she was fantastic. Met her on the carpet. Met her backstage. Um, met two um, young uh, gentlemen who are going to, I know, be going on to big things. They already are doing big things. And uh, coincidentally, they both individually told me very kindly that they're big fans of the podcast, which is just awesome um taylor john smith is starring in uh, where the crawdads sing i've seen the movie it's great i haven't read the book so but i'm sure the book fans are going to be very pleased by this adaptation uh he's fantastic in it daisy edgar jones is in it david sir theron's in it what more do you want um anyway we chatted on the carpet and he was very sweet uh as was tom blythe tom blythe who is in billy the kid right now in epics but more even pertinent to my interests and maybe yours, he has just been cast in the new Hunger Games prequel, uh, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, uh, as Coriolanus Snow. Yes, opposite our our favorite, Rachel Zegler. Again, it's going to be directed by Francis Lawrence, who is just a gem. So um, that, that was fun for me because I've done so... I mean, I did Hunger Games from the beginning to the end, and now to like begin it again with a new cast and meet them um, was a really nice full circle moment. We debuted the the first teaser trailer for the movie. They haven't shot a, like a frame of it, I, I believe. So um, we're getting in early on that one. So yeah, I'm trying to think of who else I ran into. I I I didn't chat with. I didn't do an on camera interview, but I caught up very briefly with Chris Evans, who was very kind to come by and say hello. 
um, waved over to my buddy Lana Condor, uh, Aquafina, Nora. Uh, I got a chance to see briefly. So yeah, it's kind of fun. You know, it's a nice tradition. Riley Keough, always love Riley. She's been a guest on the podcast. Um, so yeah, it was a fun, fun night. Uh, J Lo gave an amazing speech for her kind of lifetime achievement award, the Generation Award, and um, yes, mission accomplished. I'm back home, very happy to be home, and um, busy with a lot of things, but. You, you've heard me yammer enough. Let's let's get to the main event. Okay, so again, in summary, Gary Oldman, uh, greatest actor alive? I mean, top 10? <laughs> I mean, he's amazing. Um, was so sweet on this uh, in this conversation, was willing to go down memory lane, tell some great stories, some I'd heard, but some I hadn't heard, uh, even indulged some of my um, curiosity about his Star Wars association. Have I have I piqued your interest? You'll, we'll get to that that at the very end. Um, and yeah, there's a lot here. Look, if you love acting, if you love film, the last thirty plus years, you're gonna want to hear this conversation. So enjoy it. Hope to see some of you guys here in New York City at the events for Jeff Goldblum and Evan Rachel Wood. And um, yeah, enjoy this chat, me and Gary Old. It is my great honor to welcome uh, Mr. Gary Oldman to my little old podcast. I must be doing something right if uh, one of my heroes is on the pod. Uh, welcome, sir. Thank you for the time today. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, so congratulations. We have a lot to talk about. We're, we're going to uh, help spread the good word of this great performance and this great new series, Slow Horses. But um, since we do have the luxury of time, if you'll indulge me, first of all, I'm talking to you from New York City. And as I look back at the filmography, there's some there's some roots there in the film career. State of Grace, a film that I've sadly have not seen in many many years. That was yeah. kind of that was kind of a, your inaugural quote unquote Hollywood entryway, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it, it yes it was, and um, I was I, actually I was literally just talking about it because um, my first day on State of Grace. I got into the wrong car and I was headed to the set of The Freshman. <laughs> a good movie and, to end up in, by the way. And I, and I so I, I almost worked with Marlon Brando <laughs> because the driver started to talk about Marlon Brando. And for a minute there, I got really excited. And I said, what? I said, you know what part he's playing? And... Uh, one of those great, you know, Irish teamsters, you know. I don't know, Gary, he's playing something. He's like the guy in The Godfather, you know. It's like, I went, what? I said, what movie is this? So I said, well, I never, no one ever told me we, that they cast Marlon Brando. And he said, uh, the, I said, well, I don't know what that is, but this isn't State of Grace. And he went, no. So he drove me around the block, dropped me off, and I got into the real car. So I did almost... I, I almost worked with Marlon Brando. Um, if only it were that easy, just show up on a set on the wrong set and they just put you in there. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was great. I was, I just recently moved to New York. So I was, I was living in New York and shooting in New York. And it was, you know, we've seen New York on the, in the movies. And there I was on the streets of New York as a sort of gangster, you know, uh, strutting my stuff. Um, I couldn't believe my luck. I, could, I, I just thought, holy cow, I'm in this, 
I'm in a, by a gangster movement set in New York City. Um, and then Oliver Stone saw me in State of Grace and they cast me as Oswald. So it's all, it's it, all connected. It, there it is, yeah. Yeah, it sort of um, all started to really kick off. But um, yeah, that's a, that's yeah, a good one. I haven't seen that for a number of years. It's funny. I was going to do a refresher on it last night because same for me. I haven't seen it in a long while. It's one of it's like one of like I feel like ten movies that is not on a streaming service. Of course, there's like literally no way to get State of Grace right now. Is it not? It's, no, I didn't know that. Yeah. So someone someone should uh, dig that one out because it's a it's a great one. Um, you know, it's funny when I, I talk to you and I've had the privilege of having some brief chats with you over the years. And and look, I grew up a cinephile, loving your work, but I, I will never forget hearing you on a talk show relatively early on in my life and being shocked at the voice that came out versus what I had seen and realizing I did not know what Gary Oldman spoke like, the real Gary Oldman. And I'm wondering, did you take a certain pride in that? Certainly the first section of your career in, in particular, it felt like that was the image of Gary Oldman. He was a chameleon and still is to this day that can do anything, that can assume any voice. I, I, no, I mean, I would use you know for me you look at a character and you think about i've always thought about how they move how they walk do their feet turn out do they turn in um how the shoes are worn out you know the heels and the uh Literally starting you know, from the bottom up. Yeah, how they kind of move in space. And yeah. What what kind of, you know, if it requires an accent, what sort of, you know, um, you, you know, here's the thing that I also think you could, that I think people forget. I'm from, originally from South London. So I'm doing State of Grace and I've got to sort of learn an Irish kind of West, West Side Irish brogue. It would be the same for Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. Or Robert Downey Jr. Or, the, it, the, you know, you, you, you're born in California and now you're playing a New York gangster from a Westie you're going to have to do the same work that, that um, you, you know, and depending on the facility for it and the, how good your ear is, you know, all of that is involved, but you would still have to do the same work. So I never really, I've never really given it much thought. It was, yeah, you change physically, you sound different. And then when I'm sitting as me, that's what I, sound like you know you, right. you know i never really consciously saw um um it's the job that's what the job is literally it's, it's to <laughs> I mean, the closest to, to the closest to me in terms of how i speak would, would is probably jackson i give him a sort of timbre a, a voice and a certain delivery that's a little you, you know, your bloody joke. You know, there's <laughs> a way he speaks, but um, uh, he is, you know, unlike the 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 George Smiley's who come up through Oxbridge 
Cambridge right. or Oxford, and they get into the service that way. Jackson is more like a character, more like Ricky Tarr in the series. More working class has come up through um, uh, a, a, a lesser known university or even back in the day, a polytechnic, you know, or, and has come through it, has come in the other, the, the other way because there's either, there's that, there is still that the class thing. Um, isn't it? I do. I've come full circle. I've gone all. I've come from Sid Vicious <laughs> all the way round. This is true, and back to something closest to you. And of course, you're mentioning Jackson Lamb, who's who's the lead in Slow Horses, this new Apple yeah. TV Plus series. And I, I'm curious, like I, I hadn't realized until I, I did a, some reading up on some past interviews. It seems like you're your own worst critic. You're pretty tough on your own films, generally speaking. I guess my question is, where does Slow Horses rank for you? Can you take some pride in the work of you and the company of actors in this one? Is there is there a difference? Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I, 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 well, first of all, um, my wife has decided uh, wonderfully to archive my life for the kids and it's in boxes and it's organized she's wonderful at this and she sort of organized it all and finds programs from plays i was in and a little magazine articles that i did and she'll see them on ebay and the thing and order them <laughs> file them and it's all just for you know when i'm gone here is the kids if they ever want to go into the file and read up and find about, you know, their dad. Um, so it's a very a lovely thing she's done. And occasionally I'll pick up one of these magazines and it'll be, um, you know, The Face, which was a magazine in England years ago or the early time out, and I'll see an interview. I have said such bollocks over the years, you know. There's, there's one or two jewels in there but but you just go oh my god and then you go i was 23 right you were I've literally come, a different human being yep i would you know i was 25 years old and how arrogant to say that and you just go the arrogance of sort of youth and and so um at 64 um i feel very privileged and very lucky. I feel lucky to be working, to be employed, um, as and, and as you as you know, there are some careers that start to wane or fade out at a certain age. So I feel very very lucky to have found um, Jackson Lamb and this material, and really to be to be working with in such a pedigree of, of a show with, with these people. Um, the crew, the two directors thus far have been amazing. The crew is, is you know, uh, returned for, for the... For the, half, yeah. Mm. For the, yeah. Um, and the cast is not only... As, as we can plainly see, talented and inhabit these roles really well. 
but there's not an, not a bad apple in the bunch. That's true. really really lovely gang of people. Um, it's joy to come in and work with them and just to be on the set. Um, that to me is success. I do wake up and come in and get in the car and go into work and work with these people and just think, I have to pinch myself sometimes and I'm sitting there with Jonathan Price or Jack Loudon or having a laugh with the, the you know, the slow horses when we're all in a scene together. Um, I just think, man, fuck. No. <laughs> um, I've, I've, I've done okay. Well, not to mention, I mean, you look at, at just the work in the last five years, not slow horses, but like it must be a source of great pride that when Fincher and Soderbergh call you and say for the first time, let's work together. And like, there are new experiences, new glorious yeah. collaborations. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, I've known David. I must've known David Fincher now for about 27 years. It, it, it was said that he wanted you for Alien 3. Do you re remember that? Do you remember him talking to you? I don't know if he, he met me for Alien 3. Um, uh, to be honest with you, you know what? I think I asked for a lot of money. <laughs> it was full, back to the youth thing. Back to what you, you know, the stuff out of you your know, mouth. I, yeah, and I was just like, it's Alien, man. Come on. You know, <laughs> If I'm not going to make uh, money on an Alien movie, what am I going to make money on? Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but I don't think he ever, we never sort of pulled the trigger on that, but right. I did meet him for that. And then I, and then I was just, uh, you know, socially, I've uh, known him for a long time. And I just thought because of that, I've just kind of crossed him off the list. You had your experience in a way. Yeah. Um, I thought, well, he, he, he's, he knows me too well. I don't know. He's just, he's never, he's never and then when that came in and I went really Fincher wow and then to read it <laughs> think my god what a gift of a part you know this, this story and, and then the way he was going to do it with the black and white and the whole uh, yeah it, it, the last the last really I think yeah so yeah I would always want to work with Soderbergh um and uh, and then working with doing you know uh, Tinker Taylor um, and having that opportunity to play to play Smiley and then you know with Darkest Hour then with Mank the the the, the you know and I, I and also I was I, I like if I look at if I look at one incredible experience, forgetting the final, the, the, the outcome, it happens to be very good. But if I think of one all-consuming, encompassing experience, it, it would have to be JFK. And I feel I worked with Oliver when he was firing in those cylinders. No doubt about that. The end, the product is pretty. The end result is pretty spectacular. And the months of just living in Dallas and New Orleans and researching and being on that set, 
was, uh, I've got such fond memories of it. You know, and he's a he's a hard taskmaster. I know it. I know he is. Does not suffer fools that one, and likes yeah. a little friction. It adds to the mix for him, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, but the detail, and you know, to be in a movie, um, we had Dealey Plaza. I think it was closed down for two weeks. And they had redirected the, the traffic. So we had Dealey Plaza with all the cars parked, the period cars and everything else. And we had it sort of for two weeks to, to, uh, for, for us as our stage, you know. And I remember one day we were doing a scene and we were doing weather cover because of the weather. And the weather changed and the sun came out and the shadows were going to be the right shadows. Um, and we packed up what we were doing, moved over to Dealey Plaza, like 500 people they had to get, you know, to put into clothes. Right. And, um, you know, because the shadows were right, the sun was at the right point where, the, where it's going to be just like the Zabruder film, just, you know... To work on something like that, with that, with that much care and attention to detail, was what you is why you want to do the damn thing in the first place. I will say that I think I was about fourteen when I first saw JFK, and it's probably the movie that changed how I viewed movies in, in the most profound way. I remember walking out of that theater. The mix of the film stock, the Bob Richardson cinematography, John Williams score. The, the audacity of like, who has like the leading man deliver a 20 minute monologue to camera in the third act. It was just, it was just, it was you, Oliver, as you say, at the height of his powers, using it all for good. And um, it stands like, even separating the truth or fiction of any of it, it's like, as fiction, it would be the greatest thriller and Alan Pakula movie ever made. Yeah, <laughs> and, as, and, as, and as more of these files, are being declassified. We're, we're seeing actually we weren't we we weren't so crazy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> wonders of time. Wait long enough, and the crazy people yeah. turn out to be prescient. Um, an, another uh, film that I know was a little bit more of a, a mixed experience for you, um, but again, really profoundly affected me was your collaboration with Coppola, who I know you hold in very high esteem on Bram Stoker's Dracula. And I know you said some very kind things about him in, in the years since, but I'm just curious at that time, was there a key source of like the, of the conflict between you two? Like, were you seeing different movies or what was the issue at, at its core for why you guys weren't getting along? I don't along even know if I can remember. <laughs> I don't even know if I can remember. I think what happened was um, he needed a hit And he needed to bring a movie in on time. I, 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 um, and we got on, we got on famously at the beginning. And I looked to him as I wanted to work with the man 
that had made the conversation and Apocalypse Now and The Godfather. And maybe we didn't have the material to, 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 for that, to, for that to hold up. Um, but I would challenge, you know, again, that sort of youth. Um, I was quite opinionated. Um, and uh, I wanted, I wanted, I just, I wanted that guy. And, um, and we just butt heads with, yeah. with, with things. Um, and I was going through a, a, my own personal thing, sure. which, wasn't, which wasn't helping. He was going through his thing. And um, and we, 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 you know, it was. I, I, I can't. I can't. You know, I have the deepest respect for him, and arguably think he's one of the greatest American directors. It, it, not just an American director, but director. Period. I think his work is is just mind-blowing and when I've spoken to students as I've occasionally done over the years people sort of come to me and they say you know how do I get into the business or what should I do and you know I would always say to them there's a long list of cultural movies but I would always say watch Godfather 2 for production design for cinematography for storytelling for direction for acting, for costume, for it's a masterclass. Yeah. It in every, in in every aspect, um, and uh, so we yeah, it's 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 a, it's it's a, it's a shame, and 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 then of course when I later when I later when I directed and did Neil by Mouth and I wanted the clip from Apocalypse Now, he's, he, he, you know, which would have cost me an arm and a leg to, to use. Um, you know, he just said, let Gary have whatever he wants. Well, there you go. Water under and, the bridge. Yeah. And, uh, and then even at the end of the production, when they were in the cutting room, he sent me all the cassettes of the dailies and a note saying, look through these and if there's any takes that you really like. Let oh, wow. Oh, I mean, we, yeah, there was, there, there was friction and it, and, and we were, he was at a place and I was at a place. Right. And it, it just, we, I think we just occasionally rubbed each other up the wrong way. And, and, uh, well, but, I know. I know I'm not the only one to say this to you for I, from your perspective, I get it. It's a totally different experience. It, it, it worked for me. It still works for me. It works for many. And look, I like a big swing of a film and yes, it's a bit big and operatic and, and even silly in some ways, but somehow a consummate actor like you can make, I have crossed oceans of time to find you <laughs> work out of the mouth, out of your mouth. It works. Many other actors that would not work. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> Talking about JFK, 
I remember sitting in the trailer um, and the script arrived and I was just in the lunch hour or something doing JFK and I flicked through the script and I remember I saw I will cro I've crossed oceans of time to find you and I thought God who wouldn't want to say that you know that's worth doing the movie yeah. just say that <laughs> and it, sell it yeah. yeah and I heard the voice immediately I couldn't do the voice <laughs> but I could hear the the sound Got you know it. and then I went up and we went to Napa and auditioned and you know and that was that. that that was it. Um, that always but, sounds like the best time of a Coppola movie is those like two weeks in Napa, just kind of Camp working Coppola. it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Improvisation. Yeah. He would book of an evening and do great. We all have big, big, big meal and uh, fight too much of that wine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, in that same, same time frame, I, I know a character you do have more, uh, or not necessarily the character, but a film that that you appreciate is True Romance, your collaboration with Tony Scott. And, and Drexel is certainly a character that is uh, not easily forgotten. Is it true that essentially you were sold on Tony Scott saying to you, so you're playing a white guy who thinks he's black and you're a killer pimp? And you were basically yeah. like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in. I meant it. And he said, I, I hadn't read the script. And he said, look, you know, I... I could tell you the story and do all of that. He said, but you know, it's kind of like a, it's, 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 a, it's, it's part a road movie. It's part this, it's, it's, it's kind of an adult fairy tale. It's these things. And this character he's, uh yeah, he's white guy thinks he's black. Who, who, you know, who wants to be black and he's a pimp. And I said, I work with that. I can do that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds great. Okay, I'm in. And um, and then got the script and um, started working on the character. And occasionally, you know, I wrote and said to him, "Can I have dreadlocks?" I've got, and he went, "Yeah, yeah, why not?" And then I went and had a wig made. I went to uh, my dentist and had some teeth done. And I just turned, basically turned up on the day and. He was there with his cigar, you know, and he looked at me and went, that's the wig, that's the this, that's the eye, yeah, the teeth. Okay, great. Yeah, all right. You sit there, you sit there, you do that, do that, and roll. Yeah, you were in, you burned from the first bar. Wow. There's no getting in to right. it one sit. It's, it's truly what I think it was obviously, of course, a Tarantino script. Like, I think what he excels at is, is these characters, even the ones that are in one or two scenes that just make you ask, what's their deal? What's the rest of their day like? What's the like Drexel yes. asks, invites that. Like, I want to know the rest of his life, the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Drexel. I mean, there are so many good performances in it. Chris Penn. Tommy Sizemore as those cops, um, Gandolfini, James Gandolfini, yeah, yeah. Um, Patricia Arquette, Christian, and then, of course, Brad Pitt. Amazing. The greatest um, stoner performance ever. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, you know, so, and, and it, 
I don't, and it, it, you know what? It, Tarantino's script with that cast, and it made, you know, two nickels. That's right. I could never believe. I I I I was shocked. And with Tony when Scott's that, direction, I know it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. It came out opened in LA, and I don't know. It played for about a week, and that was it. And then it became a cult. Yeah. DVD. You know, it became um, a sort of thing. And if you had said to me, "There's some people in my life. There's some people. If if you said to me." You know, so-and-so's, they've got bad news. So-and-so, you know, took their own life. There are some people I've known along the way where I go, oh, that's terrible. Right. Can you yeah. Can kind of see it? Yeah. Not with Tony. I, 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 he, he was life itself. It was like an electric charge, the man. He, uh, I think, I, yeah, I spoke to him on his last film. It was uh, unstoppable. And even that film was teeming with, it was a pure Tony Scott film, just like they all the rest were. There was no diminishment at all, but yeah, it was. Uh, well, you know, Tony, 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 he's in there. He's got the ideas. He's dead. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, 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 it was, uh, it, it was truly shocking to hear that. Of all the people, I never saw that come, you know? Yeah, and who knows what was going on? Sure, sure, sure. Um, I know there's another bit of a disconnect between a role and how it was perceived by an audience. But again, count me as a Leon professional fan, and Stansfield is a. I mean, like you know what you're doing in that because, like, I I know the famous story of the the everyone scream was basically to fuck around with people at the time. But like that beyond even that moment, like when 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 Luke says, "I'm going to put the camera on top of you when you're biting into a pill." And I don't know what's in the script, but like it looks like you're having an orgasm as you're as you're basically taking yeah. your drug. You know you're in a certain kind of you're in a Looney Tunes cartoon, less than a uh, you know. In a, yeah, again, it, it's like a big. It's like a cartoon for grown-ups. Yeah, yeah, and um, because of the focal length of the camera that was above me. The, the 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 focus um, was so shallow that like that um, they had a um, like a rod a, a camera stand rod down my back and when I brought my head back and the back of my neck my head touched the rod. I was in focus. And he said, you, you, you know, you've got to lean back. And that's when I go back really thing, and I can feel the little rod touching the back of my neck. Um, I knew that I was sharp in the, in the, in the fright. Yeah. So much for leaving um, room for spontaneity. Oh, like get in the, yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all. Smokes and smoking nerves. It's all it's crazy. <laughs> all comes out of his, head and then um and then i did you know i did provide and stuff all that stuff on the key on the mantelpiece and he and there was a word um the word bingo um and i just did it one day for him you know bingo. <laughs> yeah that's 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 yeah could do that 
you know. Even the uh, yelling at the old woman with that dangling cigarette gets me every time. It's just, it works. Yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy. You know what it used to do is actually, I, I, occasionally I'll, I'll push to do an impression. And um, I used to do uh, a De Niro for him and um, a Chris Walken and different, different people do you know he would shoot the scene he would roll film on it and he'd go we do one more and you do as the Nero <laughs> just for his uh blooper reel or whatever that you yeah amazing Does, has that ever yeah, surfaced does that exist somewhere in the Basan vault I never saw it but he would say just come in and play Stansfield as De Niro or <laughs> Yeah, it was a, it was a only in New York, you know. You had we had when we blew that building up. In the script, it says there's an explosion, and he writes, um, "radical, total." That was the description of the explosion, right. and uh, it was very powerful. That that explosion at the end comes out of that building yeah. um, I mean it shook the block I mean it was anyway um, we had there was like um, I don't know what they I don't know what you call it I know there's a name for it it's not the mezzanine but it's like the the, the road divider okay. you know you like an island running down the middle of the road so you had up, up town traffic and downtown right traffic. a partition in the middle sure yep mm-hmm and while we were shooting opposite, there was a bank that was robbed. And there was a whole crowd of people all watching the filming and all the SWAT team and all the stuff. And then the bank robbery happened and they all turned to watch the bank robbery. And then that happened and then the police, and then they all turned back and stuck. <laughs> now the real show. Now we went back this, yeah. Only the second most interesting thing happening on the block, the bank robbery. I'm proud of my crazy city. Uh, <laughs> you, you alluded to this. I mean, this is around the period where you kind of sort some stuff out, out in your personal life. I'm curious, were you worried at all? Like you hear this talk of some people that have, you know, issues, personal issues like that, that gives them the edge that makes them who they are. Was there any concern on you? Like when you got clean that you would be a different actor that like, no, I needed that to be what I was. You think you need it. You convince yourself. you need it. It's an excuse. It's a, yeah. Yeah. It's, I could see why people think that. Um, you know, people that think I can't be funny unless I'm high or I can't be this or can't be that. But I think it's all just, it's, it's, it's really, it's delusional. Yeah. It's because you can, you can give yourself an excuse. I mean, you go, oh my God, it's raining. Let's have a drink. Oh, the sun's out. Oh, let's have a drink. <laughs> right. Oh my God! Really? Yeah, we yeah we went to that funeral and yeah, um, you know we're drinking. You know, oh, we're going on holidays. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, everything is an excuse to 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 um, yeah. 
and I just got to the point where I, I, it was killing me. It was, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I could function. That that's the you know that's that's just that that's the scary. Right, that's almost the most dangerous part. Like you can get away with it. You can you can yeah. 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 Uh, for, 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 for up to time. a point. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, up to a point. And it really just got, to, I just got to that stage where I just thought, I'm, do- I'm done. I'm done with this. I can't, I can't do this. You know, I feel that there were times that were wasted, obviously. Um, and, uh, I'm grateful that my kids didn't ever see me. Yeah. Drunk, you know. Um, and I wasn't a drug, in, you know. You know, you, you, you know, I know I'd read stories about I was on heroin at one point or I was cocaine or, you know, you read, you, read, you, you read this. I've just read an article that says, you know, my wife is Jewish, Germanic, is born in Canada, and I'm a Canadian actor. She's 64 years old. I've just read this in a magazine. And we went, I didn't know you were Canadian, honey. I mean, you know, so you read, like, you read these stories sometimes, and you go, how the hell, heroin? Where yeah. did that come from? Maybe someone saw Sid and Nancy. I don't <laughs> right. know. Conflated it all. Yeah. He but, also spent time as a police commissioner, apparently. No, that's a, yeah. that's a movie too. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you know, I wasn't, uh, pills and all of that wasn't my, wasn't my thing. You know, vodka was my thing. Right. Which is enough. <laughs> and, um, uh, and, yeah. and I got to a point where I really had to just save my life. Um. And, we're, all, uh, we're all happy that you came out the other side of it. Yeah, sir. yeah. yeah. Uh, um, what was I, 38, 37 or something? Yeah, I, could have, I wish I'd done it 10 years earlier, but there we are. Yeah. Your, your story is your story, isn't it? Indeed. Um, the, the time is flying by. I want to hit on a couple of things. We've barely into the, into the 90s, sir. Your filmography is too great. But I, I do want to mention... Um, I've had so many conversations on this podcast and in my career with actors that, you know, without blowing smoke up your ass, who truly revere you. Like, I, mean, I know Dan Radcliffe pretty well, and he never takes, he never, he never ceases to talk about what a game changer it was to, to meet you and how influential you've been in his life. But it's, it's Tom Hardy, it's Shia, who I know it's, it's, it, they, and I'm sure they've professed this to you yourself. I'm curious, like, what do you is there a go-to of like what you say to actors when they come to you? I mean, is, is it about learning from your successes, learning from your mistakes? What do you generally say to these folks that come to you on set and say, give me the secret, <laughs> Gary, what do I do? Well, you can't have lazy brain. You gotta be, you know, You can acquire technique, and and it, and it is important. It is important. You can, yes, it's great when someone is just raw in the uh, talent, and, but right. but there's a discipline and a control to it as well. You've got to be able to be in control of it, and 
like like anything. So um, it my if a young actor said what do I, I say, learn the lines and get there early. That yeah. that right, that's number one, number yep. one, number two on the baseline. List. Know the lines, be there on time. Yeah. 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 And you know, to really, you know, do the work. You gotta wanna do it. You gotta wanna do it more than your life's breath. Because um, you've got so much rejection and you've got right. you've got a, a tough skin and you've got to be really you you, you it's what what my but Doug, my part of producing partners, we call it testing positive for the theater disease. Yeah. You know, once you've got it, it you're you you're tested positive for it. That you you you're, you're, you're in. Yep. It's it and it's in you. And so you've got to really, I think, work hard and and you can learn technique, but a, a drama school or a acting coaches, I think you can fine-tune intuition, but you have to have it. And that is, and that's something you can't, I don't think you can give people, you know, yeah. I, I think have a, a, it's, it's, it's intuition. Um, uh, we were talking about this earlier. Um, take Kristen Scott Thomas, for instance, who plays Taverner in Slow Horses. There's a scene in the episode where she has um, where she has one of the slow horses in the basement and uh, she wants to get information from him and she's saying, you know, and there's one line that she has where she says to him, of course, you know how many people get me. I've come back to MI5 after working at Slow House, Slow House. And he sort of looks at her, you know, and she goes, none. Now, I could think of, there's lots of ways you could play none. None. Right. You know how many people have come back? None. Kristen delivers the line. There's a slight pause. She sits back a bit and she goes, none. Like, <laughs> does this face and delivers the that is it's all there in one in one word. That is a, a, a script direction. Yep. That that's you know you're rolling the camera on that and you go. <laughs> uh, so there's you know there's I think there's a there's a, a, I'm talking about a natural gift for it that I don't think you can that you can't teach. Yeah. Um. But, but you, but like I say, you got to really just do the work. Just, just you've got to have a commitment to it. And I would, I, I would expect that from a, a bricklayer to an electrician. 
you know, there's yep. a level of a standard that you have to that you you sort of have to meet. And plus the fact you have to remember that when you go to a movie, when you go to a, a movie house and the lights go down and the lights come up on the screen, you are then in the arena with all the greats. If you're a young filmmaker and you've made your first movie and those lights go dark and the light on the screen comes up, you are then in the arena with Kurosawa, Pasolini, Truffaut, Oliver Stone, yep. Francis Chaplin, Coppola. Spielberg, all the malls. Yep. yep. Yeah, there you are. You made it in a way, so you better and, and bring you it, bring be it all. And you will be judged. Yeah. Um, and uh, so if you're lazy, don't be lazy. And know your lines and get there on time. I'm going to end with this, uh, if you'll indulge the geeky side of my brain, because as many of the kind of quote unquote franchises and, and stuff you've been a part of, the Batman films, et cetera, Potter, um, over the years, I remember this, that you've been, there was talk that you might be in Star Wars in two different junctures. I remember there was talk way back when in episode two, okay, you're shaking your head. And then there was talk a few years ago on J.J. Abrams' Star Wars. Was there any truth to that? Gary, do you have any recollection of, because I just want to selfishly see my favorite actor in my favorite franchise, basically. Uh, well, I, uh, well, I did a voice for Star Wars. Well, I did the, I can't remember, it was, is it someone, General Grievous? Well, that was the thing. I don't, but, they, yeah. but your voice isn't actually in the film. No, no, no. It, what, what happened was it was something to do with union and non-union stuff. That's what I heard. They were using non-SAG performers and you. I was not going to be the poster boy for Right. You know, I just, had you recorded your stuff for it? Had you already done it? He directed me the whole thing. Well, you got the experience, I guess. You got George yeah. Lucas directing you. Yeah. I, yeah. He was terrific. <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, no regrets about that. And then other stuff is rumors. Okay. Fair enough. I, I read someone asked me the other day, they said, Oh, I hear you're going to be something or other. And I went, I've never, I've never even heard of that. <laughs> you know, and uh, you do like in these, um, you'll, you'll read that, you know, I'm going to be in a Marvel movie. Or right. Gonna, uh, you know, your name might even just come up at a meeting. You, right. you know, um, uh, there, I mean, I've heard people say, uh, uh, I know that when they first, when my, when my name came up for, um, when they would, um, uh, when uh, Eric, Eric Fellner said, uh, Gary Oldman was Winston Churchill. They all said, you'll never get it. You'll never, you know. Um, It'll, it, oh no, that was it. it was spy, smiley. It oh, was smiley. Oh, okay. It and, it was, and then it turned out to be basically your favorite role. So, so, yeah, so yeah, there it was, yeah, I think it was Thomas, and I think uh, that was it. Eric says, "You'll never get it. You'll never do it. You'll never get it." Um, so people throw your name in the hat. Um, nice to be wanted, I guess, or, or not not to be forgotten. 
Yeah, it's better but, uh, to be talked about than not talked about, I suppose. Yeah, but a lot of that stuff is all rumor. And, no, I know. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what you ended. What you said today that'll end up in a Wikipedia entry that you'll have to deny in the years to, to come. I apologize. Oh, and, yeah, and I'll be, and it'll all be mangled and misquoted. And, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you what a privilege this has been, sir. As you can tell, I'm, I'm, you know, your work has meant a lot to me throughout my my oh, uh, my yeah. cinephile ways the last forty plus years. So um, keep up the great work with Slow Horses. I can't wait to see the second batch of episodes, which have already been filmed, as I understand it. It's coming a little yeah, bit later. Yeah. It's actually season one is twelve episodes. Right. So it's first part, first book, and we got the second book, which is Dead Lions, which will drop. I guess maybe maybe in September. I don't know. I would think, Perfect. but I'm not sure. No date free. Well, it'll, it'll give us an excuse to cover the aughts. We barely got through the '90s, so maybe we'll catch up then. Okay. Uh, thank you, Gary, for the time again. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely talks. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. Ha <laughs> ha